I'm Amy Shields. I'm Mark Frost. Hi, I'm Kimmy Robertson. So our Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the book, is currently out at bluerosemag.com. It is $19.99, so get your copy today as supplies are very limited and will be running out very soon. So if you haven't got your copy today, go to bluerosemag.com today. Thank you for your interest and for your enthusiasm and, and keeping Twin Peaks alive. Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Ben Durant, and beside me is... Brian Kazaska. Hi, Brian. Hey, Ben. How are you? Doing great. What are we up to today? <laughs> well, we've got another interview with Debbie Zoller. She is the makeup artist for Twin Peaks Season 3. You get to hear all about the different creations she basically did. This is an awesome interview. I know that I say that every week. You kind of do. I do. But... I just want to let everybody know, you're in for a treat. This is absolutely fascinating. I love the behind it's, the scenes. I love going yeah, behind the yeah, scenes yeah. and say, okay, what, who knew what, when, and what do they do to make that happen? And I just love this. This is the kind of stuff I love. That's why this is Twin Peaks Unwrapped. Unwrapped. We are unwrapping <laughs> Twin Peaks. And yeah, it's just oh, so good. So good. I'm very excited for this. So everybody enjoy. Andy? I really love the beige chair. And Lucy, I really love the red chair. And I really love the beige chair, Andy. <laughs> I'd love to start with how you even got involved with, uh, you know, makeup, being a makeup artist. You know, I know you've been doing this for over 20 years. You did Lost Highway. You've done movies like Kill Bill and Madman and Timeless. And of course, mm -hmm. Twin Peaks mm -hmm. Season 3. Uh, can you share with us how you got involved with, with makeup? Oh, my God. You're really taking me back. Um, <laughs> I was at UCLA. And going to, um, my classes were mostly in North Campus, and I would hang out in North Campus with all the theater majors and the TV majors and film students, and I just started, like, hanging out with them, and they're like, hey, you know how to do wardrobe, will you come and help us on a short film we're doing, and then it became kind of like, well, can you do makeup, and can you do hair, and you know, I didn't know any better. And I was like, sure, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I basically just kind of like helped them out. And after college, um, I thought I was going to go into fashion design. And 
one of my friends who I graduated with had called like a couple of years later and said, hey, I'm associate producing this film and we need a, a makeup hair and wardrobe person. Would you be interested in doing it? And I was like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I quit my $40,000 a year job and uh, took a job basically where I made like a dollar eighteen an hour. Oh and gosh. that was it. I was like, I knew I had to be in this business. But what I realized was I really loved special effects makeup. And that was something that I was kind of, you know, faking my way through and I didn't want to fake it anymore. So I ended up going to makeup school after that film was over and then started working for Roger Corman and it just, the ball just started rolling from there. Oh, that's, that's awesome. awesome. That's yeah. so cool. And it seems like you you probably had, you know, some kind of artistic thing in you all along. I mean, I, I read somewhere where when you were a kid, you would uh, sit down and draw with your dad and things. So it seems like that's something that you just had always done. Yeah. Wow, you guys did your research. Um, <laughs> yes, that's exactly. My dad was an engineer for Rockwell, and he would, you know, come home every night and um, – and basically draw with me because mm-hmm. that's what he would do, you know? So he would sit in his office drawing like his sky labs and, you know, all the different Apollo, uh, you know, space capsules and stuff. And I would sit there and try and pretend to do the same. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I think, and then my mom was also very artistic. So I think that's kind of how I was able to blend the two. So, cool. um, yeah. And, and it's interesting because I was saying to someone on a, in another interview that when I paint with David or when I draw with David and sit down with him, it really, it takes me back to that moment with my dad. Oh, that's cool. That's so awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and so you worked w- with, with, with David and Sabrina on Lost Highway. Is that kind of how you got, you got involved with the new Twin Peaks? Knowing them? And- well, I, I mean, I've worked for David off and on for the last, you know, over 20 years. Yeah. So we've done a lot of commercials together. We did stuff for his um, website together, oh, wow. um, things at his house, you know, stuff like that. But, you know, he works so sporadically that he's really kind of ruined me, <laughs> you know, because I have to take other jobs, obviously, with other directors to pay the bills. But I always have in the back of my mind waiting to see when he's going to do another job. So it was funny because he was starting um, Mulholland Drive, and I was going to do that. And then a really good friend of his, who's a director named Vin Benders, uh, was doing his film at the same time. And so many of us from David's team went and helped Vim on his movie. So I didn't get to Mulholland Drive until towards the very end. Oh, wow. That's something. So you can, can you share with us how you got the job? How did you get to be uh, the makeup artist for Twin Peaks Season 3? Well, I kind of, you know, knew that something was brewing about five years prior Mm -hmm. because I got these emails from Sabrina, you know, from David, um, asking me some very specific questions. And I didn't know it was Twin Peaks. I didn't know what the project was. I just knew that there was something brewing. Yeah. And then I, just like everybody else, heard it and read it on, you know, Twitter and daily variety and 
all of those things. And I immediately, I think I was at work and I jumped out of my chair and ran outside and called Sabrina immediately. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, is there something that you need to tell me? <laughs> and she start, she did the same thing. She started laughing. And then I started laughing. And she's like, yes. She says, but, you know, give us a, give us a few minutes, you know, because we're just sorting some things out. And then later, I think that's when it came out, like, it wasn't going to happen. And then there was yeah. this big Twitter revolt and everything. So I was the same as, as everyone else, as every fan out there. I just had to be patient. And I knew in my heart and soul that I would be there. There was no question. But I, again, I just had to be patient like everyone else. Yeah. Cool. Now, I, can't, I might get the, the dates wrong, but I feel like it was, was it March 2015 that you actually did get the job? Like... Would it be maybe six months before production that you started? Oh, easily. Yeah. yeah. It was probably around, I want to say, between January and February. Okay. Um, because I went up to David's house. I live around the corner from him, so mm -hmm. it takes me 10 minutes to get there. That's cool. One day, Sabrina <laughs> called and said, you need, to, you need to be here. And I'm like, what? And she's like, you need to be here now. Like, it, everything was... <laughs> You know, when they call, you answer. Yeah. Kind of thing. So uh, I ran over to the house and, you know, he was in his art studio and gave him a big hug. And, you know, we just sit and talk and paint and, you know, drink coffee and he mm. smokes and, you know, and and we just sat there and I said, so we're going to do this. And he goes, yeah, we're going to do this. I'm like, Okay. And he goes, are you ready? And I said, are you ready? <laughs> you know, he was there. He had to be there every day, every wow. day. And he has more stamina than anybody I know. <laughs> it was really great. And then, of course, you know, I had to wait five months, but I was pretty much prepping during that whole time. So, you know, I, I was allowed to read the script, but I had to be at, at his house to read it. Mm -hmm. And because they didn't have any production offices, so everything was based out of his house. So I would go and I would read a little bit and absorb that. And then I would go back and read a little bit more and absorb that. Because um, I was not allowed to have my own copy of the script. Oh. There was only, I think, five scripts total. Obviously, you know, Scott, the first AD, had his and the costume designer was allowed to have hers, but none of us were uh, allowed to have our own copies. So I had to memorize everything. Wow. wow. Yeah. I know they always say Kyle is the only one that uh, read this, the whole script, but they're talking about actors. But as a, as a part of the crew, you actually did get to read the whole script before production. I mean, I guess you had to. Be, yeah. 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 That is something else. I must have read it five times backwards and forwards. Wow. Because... I had to have everything in my head so that I knew continuity, you know, to the best of my ability and knew what I needed to prepare for, yeah. which you can never prepare, but that's besides the point. <laughs> and I can only think is like you had over 200 characters and trying to, I guess, tr figure out what, how they would look and what might we want to do. And I mean, there seems like a lot you'd have to juggle in your head wow. with, with all that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And also, you know, you don't want to ask too many questions because, you know, David is the type of director that he wants you to come up with things on your own. But at the same time, he doesn't want you to go off the deep end. You know, timing 
was a very important factor. So if a character wasn't working for another six weeks, I wouldn't necessarily speak to him about it unless it was something specific like NATO or, you know, another character that would maybe have something that altered their appearance that I knew I would need to work on. But um, a lot of the stuff was, would just kind of be created organically and at the last minute. And thankfully I had a wonderful uh, team of help where, you know, they didn't mind working on the weekends. If Mm -hmm. I called and said, um, Hey, you know, we're like, basically what would happen is we would be like Richard Redlison and I, he was my key we'd be up in Washington and David would talk to me about a character and we would, you know, sculpt it and then ship it back down to Los Angeles to Vincent Van Dyke's um, effects lab. Oh. And then he would do the molding and make the prosthetics and then he would FedEx it back up to us. So, you know, things were very kind of last minute yet at the same time they weren't. So yeah, that's pretty cool. That, that makes sense. And you're talking about your team, like you're the head of the department, right? You're you're the one that kind of. Well, did you hire these people, or did you kind of decide the team yeah. that was bringing in? So I'm I'm always thinking about this yeah. pre-production time, like, you know, you're reading the script, you're thinking about things, you're hiring people, and then are, are you creating and making things be, well before production? Like you're talking about that sculpture and stuff. Are these all being made before September of 2015? Um, not. Really, I mean, the, I would say the designs were made. Yeah. Um, it really depended on the board, what Scott would say, what we were starting with, and you know, basically, what I my main focus was designing the the different Kyle uh, characters. Hmm. You know, getting Agent Cooper done, and then figuring out from Agent Cooper what his evil doppelganger would be, and then figuring out Dougie. And then figuring out, you know, the other Dougie. So that was kind of what was milling around in my head for the most part, um, July and August. And then I would meet with David. We would talk a little bit more as it got a little closer. And then we would do, we did a camera test. And I had um, teeth made for Kyle. I had... Uh, plumpers made for Kyle for the mm. test. We had contact lenses, all things that we needed to um, to test on him, and also on digital. And Peter Deming, who's the amazing, you know, DP, he would try all different kinds of lenses as far as the camera was concerned. Mm. And then, you know, it was a big collaboration of how it all came together. Yeah. I, you know, having the Blu-ray, I love seeing you in these documentaries. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and one of my favorite things is is this moment where where uh, Kyle, as Mr. C, gets out of the car, comes onto the set, and there's David Lynch, and they embrace, they hug each other, and they separate, and there you are just witnessing David and Kyle together. <laughs> Do you, what was going through your head at that moment? I don't think I remember this. What was that on? I, it's on the Blu-ray. On the this DVD? is like the, yeah. I, oh, the, the new Blu-ray is a, the first, it was a one week in Twin Peaks. Yeah, and uh, and Kyle is just getting out. I think this is the, so. This is the first time he, he's dressed up as Mr. C, and he walks over to David, and I'm guessing that's you. I'm. Uh, I, 
You're right. Probably, and I have a big, stupid smile on my face. I thought, no, you were, I thought you were in so awe. Hard. I tried so hard to avoid that behind-the-scenes camera. Yeah. Jason, man, he, he, he captured so much. I always, you know, I always like to kind of keep things a little more secretive. Yeah. And so I hope you don't see me too much in there. <laughs> Just here and there. But you taking a photo or for continuity or something. To me, it was actually when I first saw that, I thought, boy, this seems like a moment that you're very proud of, that you were proud of the work uh, as uh, yeah. Mr. C. Mr. C is alive yeah. and ready to, you know, begin production. Yeah. I don't know. It was, it, I thought it was Absolutely. amazing. Absolutely. I mean, there's several different actors who were playing different versions of themselves or other characters. I mean, if we're talking about Kyle, we have Dougie manufactured version and we have Cooper and we have Mr. C. What goes into planning for these characters? Well, I think that, you know, when you're planning something like this, that's the problem is that you can't think too hard. You have to kind of shut your brain off and let your creative juices start to flow and let the artistic you know, qualities that you bring to the table happen. And so, you know, you basically, like I would have my arsenal of products that I would bring with me and people always say, why do you need all this stuff? Mm. And it's like, well, because you just don't know what, what you're going to need and what you're going to pull from. And I think that's one of the beauties of working to David. He gives me the, the free range of being able to create a character, but it's also within very specific boundaries that he's created in his mind. But yet at the same time, we don't necessarily always talk about what those boundaries are. So I won't know a boundary until I've hit it. Wow. So I always leave a percentage of a makeup for David to complete. Oh, okay. So if there's like, if there's a character that, you know, maybe I'm not completely 100% sold on what I've done. I'll bring like makeup brushes with me. I'll bring products with me. And, you know, if, if it's the first time when I always look at David's reaction when they walk on set. Mm-hmm. So that tells me, you know, if I've, if I'm within the, the, parameters of what I'm supposed to be. And then sometimes I'll see a look on his face and I, and his hand starts to shake. Like (laughs) it starts to get all active, you know, like he's, he's, um, he's squeezing his hand, like with as if there was an invisible ball in his hand. Hmm. And that's when I know he wants to put his hands into it. And then I'll walk up to him and I'll hand him something. Uh, and I'll say, here, here's a paintbrush. Here's some blood. Here's some black tempera paint. Here, here's, you know, honey or pudding or anything that I may have in my bag. And, oh, and that's when I know he wants, to, he wants to play with it. And that's something. Yeah, wow. I, I was wondering what that collaboration was like because – because, you know, you're the makeup artist, and yet David, from time to time, and we see this in the documentaries, that he, from time to time, he's he's doing something. I think with Nadu, that he was, like, just doing a couple, adding a couple things to her face. So I think that's really fascinating. So mm-hmm. you, you you share this experience, and you let him do the, the final touches to it. I mean, that's so nice. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Nadu's prosthetic was a huge collaboration between me, David... Richard, my key, NATO, you know, as well, because she brings it to life. But 
you know, David got in there with us with the sculpture, helping us figure out where the hills and valleys were in that sculpture. Mm. And then he also wanted the cuts in the sculpture very specific. And it wasn't until we did a test on her that he said, I, I want you to add, you know, like as if there was skin oozing out of those cuts. Wow. Mm. And, you know, so that's how it, it comes together. And then he's like, I want stitches hand laid in there. You know, I want, I want it to have stitches. So of course, then I realized I had to hand lay the stitches hmm. every on every piece. And we had 20 of those pieces. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, that, that was a huge collaboration uh, with all of us just trying to get that to look exactly how he envisioned it. And, then there was uh, a little bit of blood that David would like to add into those little cut pieces. Wow. I don't know if you ever, how close you would see um, NATO's face sometimes, but um, if you freeze frame on it, you'll see the detail. Wow. Yeah. And I, I would always have David and say, Hey, do you want to come and add this? Cause you know, that's some of the things we would do at the last minute on set. And those were some of those things. So he always liked to get in there and he, he wanted it to have a little shine. So I would give him the product we would use and he would, you know, take it on his fingers and he would, you know, make it shiny and stuff. So. That's really something, and especially with with yeah. with David's background, that he is an artist, that he paints and stuff like that. I'm sure he really loves to get in there and mm. and do a little of that. So that's something. And I had heard that, absolutely, yeah, and I heard absolutely. That, I mean, if he could do the whole thing himself, he would. <laughs> yeah, he knows he can. Yeah, he so. would. And Nato, yeah. I, I heard that um, the actors couldn't actually see out of that. That's right. I mean, she she was actually blind for this piece. She was completely blind. I asked if we could have eye holes in it for her. Yeah. Um, because I knew she would be in it for, you know, long periods of time. And he said, absolutely not. He said, you know, she's a professional actress. She will handle it. I have no doubt. You know, absolutely not, Debbie. And I, and I remember I'd go back to him again and go, David, are you sure? And he's mm. like, nope, absolutely wow. not. And I said, Okay. So she's, I mean, Nay is my hero because she brought that character to life like no one's business. What we would do is she would come to set. I would bring her into the trailer like the first day. I showed her everything, where everything was, where she was going to be sitting. We showed her her trailer so she knew how to, you know, have the image in her head of what the makeup trailer looked like, hmm. what the, what her personal trailer looked like. So she knew how to find things. Hmm. And then I would take her out to set and we would walk her out there. And so she could feel the ground and feel and see everything so that all of her other senses would take over once that prosthetic piece was put on. Hmm. Wow. And once she was in it, then I always made sure either myself or Richard or Michael, David's assistant, had a hand on her at all times. And then we put, I got a wheelchair and I'd push her out into the set so that she didn't have to walk. Wow. But at least she had that image in her mind and she knew where she was going. That's good. That's yeah. great. And I met, was it, was it all day long that she would be in this? I mean, is it? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. She would be in it all day. I can't imagine being blind for the whole day or something yeah. like that. That's, that's wow. Yeah. She's, she just, 
would put herself in a very zen place and just really, uh, she's amazing. She's an amazing actress. And she's lucky she she had you there to help her out. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I mean, she and I really bonded over that character because I was very protective of her. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so cool. And, you know, I was curious about, like, how do you go about scheduling? Like, I think about, like, in, in, for us it would be part 17 with the sheriff station. You have all these these characters at the sheriff station at once. You have to figure out when do you schedule time for makeup for each one of those actors. Like, I know you have a team, but I still wonder if it's, it's complicated sometimes to make sure everybody is in makeup for the right time before, you know, they start shooting. Yeah, yeah. That was a big scheduling issue. And... You have to understand that a majority of those people came through my chair or mm. Richard's chair. I mean, wow. you know, we had help occasionally. We had a, you know, a lovely girl named Eva. We had a girl named Mandy, um, Jamie. We had some great, you know, makeup artists that helped me both in Washington and in L.A. But, you know, because we sh- shot it like a film and not like how you see it in episodes, a majority of those actors and actresses either came through my chair or they came through Richard's. Wow. And now you've got 17 of them all together and they still want to come through my chair or Richard's. They don't mm. want to go to somebody else. Because they're used to you. So, <laughs> yeah. Wow. So it was a very, it was a very tricky scheduling. You know, the, like the candy girls, they were all great about it. I tried to have the same people uh, for the most part you know, there so that the makeup looked consistent and, you know, it wasn't, you know, new every time. And they knew the person that was there, mm. you know, doing that. Nice. Yeah. And what's a typical day like for you? I mean, are you always on the set or sometimes you're in the trailer? I mean, it all just depends on the day. Well, I'm a very hands-on department head. So I am in the trailer in the morning. We're getting everybody ready. And then I pack up and go to set and maintain everyone on set because there's no guarantee once they leave the trailer that that's what David wants mm. once they get to set. Yeah. So I always had to be there at all times to make sure that, you know, there wasn't something that he wanted to change or add or subtract or, you know, just whatever would happen. And so during the day, if like other actors would come in during the day, then I would leave set, go back to them, and then go back to set. So um, it was pretty much just a back and forth, but you know, always maintaining you know my position there with him every day, making sure that you know everything was running smoothly. Nice. And I wondered who who took the longest to get into like makeup. I mean, I, <laughs> I, there must be some some of these characters that take a lot longer because of the detail. Hmm. The woodsmen were probably an hour each. Wow. wow. There was a lot of detail that went into those characters because it was, you know, color and texture and reflection. And, and so it was a layering effect of, you know, our airbrush techniques and um, mud that would crackle when it dries. And so you had to dry it in between with a blow dryer and then add more, more layers and then add more airbrushing on top and stuff wow. like that. So I would say that probably, you know, the woodsmen had a lot of work put into them. But, you know, with David, you don't have a lot of time to do makeup. You want to make most of their work to be on set with him. 
So I had to be very careful as far as if I said to David, look, this makeup's going to take an hour and a half. We don't have an hour and a half. Well, you know, the mm. important time is the shooting time with David. Yeah. So I had to figure out ways to cut down the time that the makeups would take so that he had more time with them on set. Wow. wow. Yeah. Yeah, the woodsmen are incredible. I mean, they're, they're something else. Yeah, I they're mean, cool. How do you get inspired for something like that kind of, type of a makeup job? I mean, because there is the layers. I mean, I, when you first look at it, I think it's black, but there's really all these different layers to the color. Of yeah. It. Well, first, you know, David gave me a description of them. You know, they're dirty. They're grimy. They, you know are otherworldly, they live amongst us, they're homeless. And so I would just kind of chew on that information for a little bit. And then I would just kind of let my brain go, you know, through a Rolodex of products and think, okay, now let me figure this out. And then we started shooting in Washington. Um, we were there for the first couple months and then came back to LA and finished the rest. But the Woodsman worked up there first, but they weren't in for maybe like a month. Hmm. So we would go to these beautiful locations every day in the woods. And so every day I would pick a little tree bark or something or um, like this purple mushroom that was growing wild. And I collected all these different colors wow. of from the woods that we were shooting in. And then I would take those colors and adapt them to makeup colors. And then that's how the process started for the woodsman. That's wow. something. That's really neat. That's pretty cool. So the, the tree bark was really cool because of the crackling. So that's where the mud came from, oh. the drying, crackling mud. Wow. So, and then I needed some reflection because they would be too, like, too matte, too flat looking. Mm. So I needed reflection in their faces. So I went to the grocery store and got this yellow snack pack pudding and <laughs> I got some honey and some black food coloring and just started playing around with those elements. And that's how I got the reflection that I wanted. Wow. That's pretty cool. That's really awesome. And there's definitely was a lot of secrecy on the set or we had to be, <laughs> how did that, how did you handle that? Cause I'm sure you wanted to take pictures and you, I mean, you wanted to look at the script and you wanted to have notes. And I mean, how did they, how, how did you handle all the secrecy that was involved with the production? Um, well, the secrecy was difficult in the beginning because if I needed to like talk to somebody about something, I had to have them sign an NDA first uh -huh. and then the NDA had to be sent to Sabrina and Chris, the producers, and just make sure that that was clear. And then I could speak to them. So it was interesting and challenging in the very beginning and not having a script and having to memorize everything. And then finally I was allowed to take some notes that I had to like keep really tight to the chest and couldn't let anybody else see them. Um, I was allowed to take photos, obviously, for continuity. I was allowed to take pictures for, you know, my own purposes, and but nobody else was. So that became a bit difficult because if I needed reference to something, I had to step outside and go look at my phone really quick. Mm -hmm. So because they didn't want phones on set or anything. So, you know, which I respect because honestly, if you're working on a set with David, 
you know, the last thing you want is for people to be sitting there looking at their Facebook accounts and, you know, Mm. Twitter and everything, you know, you should be relishing in the moment of being, you know, on set with him and, and experiencing that. I was actually kind of happy about the no phones on set situation. But if I forgot something, I would have to go to the production office. We had a little trailer and they had a safe and I would have to check out one of the scripts from the safe and somebody would sit there with me in the office so that I could look up the issue that I couldn't remember or the question that I had and then give it back to them. They would put it back in the safe and then I would go back to set. That's, <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's so hard. I mean, I, I imagine on other, uh, other work you do, you get to keep your script. You can write on the script. I mean, it's just it's, it must yeah. be a lot harder to not have that. Don't let the secrets yeah, out. Yeah, <laughs> and well, they would give what are called sides which is um, basically a small copy of the scene that we were shooting so that the actors, because some of the actors can't work without sides. They need those. And then what they would do is they would check them out. Like it had your name on it. So at the end of the day, you had to give the sides back and they Mm -hmm. had to make sure that those wouldn't get out. Or that people wouldn't just throw them in the trash or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was very important. In fact, Riley, who's David's son, was kind of in charge. That was that was his domain. It was collecting all the sides back from everybody. Well, that's interesting. And I saw him on the set. I mean, it was fun watching this documentary and now seeing, oh, he's right there near near his yeah, dad, but yeah. he actually had a job to do and stuff. That's, that's cool. really cool. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I've I've known Riley since he was a baby. You know, so to see him grow and be on the set like he was in this capacity. It was pretty amazing. I mean, it was it was a wonderful experience to be able to witness the two of them together. Uh, That's cool. And it does seem like it really did seem like a family. I mean, you, you had a lot of people from Lost Highway that you worked with back then that were working on this project. So it must have been great to see people again. Oh, absolutely. We are we are a, a an odd family, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> yeah. Diane was so iconic and like it's not anything that I could have imagined from like, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years. But it really worked. And I was so impressed with, with the work that you did on it, especially because I heard that uh, you worked with Laura Dern on the makeup, specifically her lipstick. Right. The Diane character was, you know, that I think was the one that I had the most sleepless nights over I should say because every fan every person that knows anything about Twin Peaks has an image in their head already created of what Diane looks like and that was the one that I was most concerned about because I didn't want to go the wrong direction and I was kind of the last person to fill in that look because, you know, David and Laura would were speaking, you know, behind closed doors and on the phone the whole time. And then all they figured out like the wardrobe and then they figured out like her hair, the cut. Yeah. Then they had to figure out the hair color. And then the last thing that got filled in was me. So, hmm. I was just as kind of shocked as anybody would be <laughs> when when I got the the word that you know it's her clothes are are 
this inspiration. Her haircut is this inspiration, the hair color. Now I'm like, oh, my goodness, where do I go? And that was when I realized that her makeup had to be what's called monochromatic, which mm. means that it, it has not necessarily a lack of color, but one color you know, fades into the next, which mm-hmm. fades into the next so that you don't necessarily, your eye doesn't like clue in to a color. Wow. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I wanted you to see her face and her expression, but I didn't want like the blush color to stand out or her eyeshadow color to stand out. And the lip color was really my main concern. And so when David said to me, I want pink, and I'm like, pink? I don't associate pink with David, yeah. you know? So that was really interesting. And I'm like, well, what kind of pink? And he's like, I want it light pink. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Light pink. You know, so I'm like, you want light pink. So it must have taken me two or three days. And with Laura's help and with David's help, we kind of came up with this color. And then at the last second, I realized with, the monochromatic makeup that I had designed, I needed the pink to be an ombre pink so that it kind of followed the guidelines of being monochromatic. And so Mm. one color bleeds into the next, bleeds into the next. And that's when we came up with the monochromatic, with the ombre pink. But the interesting thing about it, and I don't know if anybody realizes it because she smokes in every scene. Yes. Yes. And so the lipstick, I would put it on fresh and then she would smoke and the lipstick would come off on the cigarette Hmm. and it would change the quality of the lipstick. And there was no way for me to make it permanent, you know, in that respect. So um, I I just organically had to let it go. And it, but it worked fine. It looked great. Yeah. Yeah. It looked real good. It was really good. But would you have to do touch ups every chance you can get? Like, oh, (laughs) they're taking a break. Let's let's put some more lipstick on. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Are you kidding? I was on top of her like Uh, nobody's business. (laughs) Yeah. She was great about it, though. She didn't mind. Yeah. I love that. I love her. She's, she's Uh. the best. Before we started, uh, Brian and I were talking. It's like, they should have sold this makeup and we would have bought it. This is two guys. So I know. We were well, going to buy some makeup. There would have like- been, if there was lipstick, like Diane lipstick, it would have been cool merchandise. We did, you know, trust me, that was discussed. We <laughs> talked about a lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, it just didn't come to, to fruition. So I had a whole line designed. Aww. Oh, you could, yeah, yeah. you could have done like a, a lot of cool stuff with a Diane. Yeah, nail polish. You could do for the, yeah. the yeah. female fans, and there's a lot of female yeah. fans. Of Twin the Peaks. problem yeah. with that was the whole secrecy behind it. Yeah, and, you know, it takes a makeup uh, line a year in advance. Wow, to wow. start working on stuff like that, and I think David was so afraid that information would get out. Um, yeah, that makes sense. You know, regarding anything. So, and I, I, you know, I have to respect his his decision. Yeah. So, so yeah. when season four comes out, you'll be ready for it. You'll, you'll be ready for the makeup. <laughs> oh. Wouldn't that be fun? It God, I be. wish there was. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it would be something. You know. Yeah. Uh, watching the the Blu-ray, I mean, it was so fun watching the Blu-ray because you get to see so much behind the scene. And there's this moment where. Uh, David is in his trailer, and Kyle comes in, and then Cheryl Lee comes in, 
and they're all like, oh, you look like you uh, did, you know, 20 years ago. And, yeah. And uh, and it's true. Like seeing that scene when she was younger in the woods, she. I thought first I thought it was like a different actress. It's like boy, she looks so good. And then I thought maybe it was, it was digital. Tell us how is it that you made uh, her so young? Ah, uh, well, you know, there's a, things that are like skin blurring huh. and tightening products that yeah. you know we use a lot, and uh, that just kind of seemed the perfect time to use those products yeah. um, and, you know, I use them a little bit on David Duchovny as well. And, you know, it's just, that's the tricks that we use in order, you know, to do that. And also, you know, you have Peter, who's an amazing DP, a cinematographer that can also enhance things too. It wasn't yeah. done digitally. So wow. that's how it all comes together. Well, it's very That's impressive. Cool. It's incredible work. Yeah, I, I've yeah. been blown away by that. Really, it's. <laughs> I'm sure we were talking to Brian. I was like, yeah. "Wow, look at like, how did they make her so young?" I mean, like, and you, you know, in movies now, they make people look young digitally all the right. time. That's it's become I mean. so common be a practice. Thing. Yeah. yeah, it's not digital. It's, it was so impressive. I, I really yeah. couldn't believe it. Wow. No, oh, thank you. So it's also Carrie Page. I mean. I, can you share with us, how do you go about that? I don't know if she is Laura or she might be Laura, but like you have a whole other character that she's playing and you have to come up with a look for her. Can you discuss how you and David talked about Carrie Page? Carrie Page was kind of the character that has had a really hard life. You don't mm -hmm. know what's going on with her. You don't know her past. You don't know anything. You just know that when Agent Cooper walks through the door in Texas that there's a dead guy on her couch and mm -hmm. that pushes her to when he says, let's go. And she's like, absolutely. Let me get my back, you know? <laughs> um, so you don't really know a backstory on her. So I had to tell that story with makeup. Wow. You know, you had to look at her and say, this girl's had a hard life. She's lost a lot of sleep, sleepless nights. She's, but she's a fighter. She's a survivor. And so all of those traits, get translated into makeup hmm. so that when you see her, you instantly say to yourself, oh, I, I, I know who this character is or I recognize the trait. Wow. So yeah. I had to make sure that she was, you know, not affluent. Like I used makeup products that you buy at like Walgreens or Target or CVS, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, so that the everyday Texan waitress can afford to buy. So oh, that's, that's how wow. I translated her makeup. Wow. Makes sense. And it, I think yeah. it turned out great. Yeah. It did. Yeah. It really yeah. good. Wow. I love that you actually, I never would have thought of like, well, I should then go to a specific type of a store to, to relate to this character. I, I think that's really fascinating. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, you, you know, when I design characters for David, I, I kind of have to put myself into it and say, where would this character shop? What kind of makeup would this character mm. wear? Things like that. When it came to the lovely ladies that came back 20 years later, yeah. that's a whole different story. You know, my my focus on, you know, Machen and, and, you know, Peggy was to make them look as beautiful and as unchanged as possible. Yeah. And, I mean, those women are just iconic to yeah. me when it comes to you know, Twin Peaks. 
And, and you did it. They look beautiful. They yeah. look incredible. They look amazing. Yeah. They look amazing. I mean, you know, it's also they've taken such wonderful care of themselves that it wasn't that hard. But <laughs> I really, like, my focus on those ladies was to just make them look, like, timeless. Yeah. Yeah. It worked. Yeah, really It did. And Shailen Fenn, yeah. you know, you had Shailen Fenn who was with this guy Charlie, and then you have... I'm sorry, Audrey there, and then you have Audrey in this light, like just this white light. How did you, how yeah. did you look at both of these characters or versions of characters, and and you know think about their makeup? Well, Cheryl Lynn's character, obviously, because you know Audrey Horn is so iconic as well. I mm-hmm. didn't want to change her too much. You know, you had to immediately recognize her because her fans are. Like insane. I would have been harassed oh. if I had changed anything, you know, on her. Yeah. So Sherilyn came to set very early on to talk to David and I saw her briefly and she had blonde hair. Mm. And I thought, Oh, oh no. my God. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh what what's gonna happen there? And then I realized no, she was just confirming with David that she was going to, you know, go back to being a brunette. And and so then, you know, obviously that's when, you know, everything else came into play. And so she and I would talk and I'd worked with Sherilyn before. So it was really nice to reconnect with her again. And, you know, I sent her to go get her nails done Mm. and to get a facial and just to make her feel pampered and to feel welcome. And, You know, she was truly at the very end of our shoot of, what, nine, eight, nine months. Wow. So wanted to make sure that she still felt connected to us, even though she wasn't coming in till later. And that white light, is is she is she just wearing less makeup? I mean, would that be? Yeah, it looked like that, yeah. Oh, is that just the effect to give her, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, she's, she's wearing a lot less. Yeah. 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 I mean, she, that's the kind of actress that she is, though. She... For the scene, she knew that it would it would play better if she was more revealed and more naked in that mm. in that sense of the word for the mm. character. So yeah, so we took her way down, and uh, of course Peter with you know his lighting. It was uh, I think it was such a beautiful dramatic effect because you don't know from watching the scenes with her and. Uh, Charlie, what is going on? I mean, I didn't even know what (laughs) was going on when we were shooting it because I'm like, did I miss something? Did I not? Because I would go back and I would reread it and I'm like, no, no, this is exactly. But I, that was the one area that I was like, okay, where is this going? Like I couldn't (laughs) grasp it. And then when we did that scene, you know, at the very end with her, you know, so stripped down, that's when it all came together. I was like, oh, gotcha. That was beautiful. And what does it mean to you then? What is that, her being in that white light, what does that signify for you? Oh, goodness. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I should put my two cents in. because okay. You know too much. I don't, I know too much and I don't, I don't want to spoil it for anyone else whose theories may differ. That's so, fair. Yeah, um, I like that answer. You know, <laughs> I don't, I don't, you know, yeah. my whole thing with with Twin Peaks is I try not to reveal too much because you want to keep the mystery a lot. Sure. Yes, yeah. yes. I love it. <laughs> no, I mean that's perfect. I mean we have our theories about Audrey. Oh, and sure we do. A yeah. lot of us I think a lot of us are on the same page, just like you, 
that when we saw episode 12, we were actually in North Bend. Yeah, we were up for the Twin Peaks Fest. Actually, yeah. Sabrina had brought the, the show and she yeah. set it up on the TV. At the, uh, we were at the... Um, Roadhouse. Well, Roadhouse. Well, the way they filmed the Roadhouse. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So it was very special. And so every week we would say two things. When is Dale Cooper coming back? And when is Audrey coming back? Yeah. And... Yeah. Yeah. So the whole, you know, the whole, everybody went to the festival, is at the Roadhouse, we're watching it. And when, when Audrey showed up for that first time, the place exploded. Like, it was really cool and very special, but we were all perplexed. Yes. And by that scene, like, what is going on? Yeah. But we were so happy yeah. to see her. Yeah. You know? And Sabrina, so. had, exactly. talked to, Sabrina exactly. had talked to David, and our theory was that she left, that maybe Sabrina left the phone on for David to hear. I, I like That's our theory. That's our theory. But she did call <laughs> in, and, and he did, he did like say that, you know. I'll watch it with you. You'll watch it with us. So that yeah. was, that was a nice It moment. was very sweet. Talking about watching, you actually had your own uh, party. You had your own, was it for part nine that you had people over your house? Yeah, well, what happened was, you know, we'd always talked about having screening parties, and I was working on another job and couldn't get it together quick enough, but I remember calling Sabrina and going, okay, what episode should we, you know, screen and have the party, and she said episode eight, Hmm. and I was like, oh, I'm like, that was like, (laughs) I'm like, that's too soon, I can't do episode eight, because I was, you know, involved in this crazy job, and um and I said, okay, I'll do episode nine. So, you know, we sent out the invitations and I decorated the whole house and got food and, you know, had everything together. But of course, the week prior, when I watched episode eight, my mouth was on the ground and I was like, uh. oh my God, we should have screened episode eight. <laughs> but, oh. it's, and I remember the following week and Sabrina's like, I told you so. And I'm oh. like, God damn it. But that, that episode blew my mind. I was like, this is television history. And I was so, oh my God, I was, I could not have been more proud of Mm. that episode. And, you know, with the, with the tall man, the giant or whatever you call him. Um, and with, uh, uh, Senorita Dido Mm -hmm. and, and it was just one of the most beautiful, visually stimulating mm. episodes that, of television that I've ever seen. Yeah. So, you know, it was interesting because I was like, oh, now what's nine going to be like? You know, <laughs> yeah. so it was nice to have everybody here. Yeah. And I had my, my uh, Agent Cooper cardboard cutout that <laughs> we had, you know, in the corner. So people would take pictures with it because, unfortunately, Kyle was in New York at the time, couldn't be here. So, um, and then we ended up having another screening of another episode at Kimmy's house. And so mm. I brought cardboard Kyle with me. <laughs> and so we, you know, we kind of take them everywhere with us. So that's awesome. That's, awesome. that's yeah. so cool that you had that moment. <laughs> that was nice. That's something. Yeah. 
Boy, there's so many yeah. characters yeah. we could talk about, but I feel like, I mean, we should probably wrap it up soon. But yeah. I mean, I, I guess the only other, other character was interesting is that the drunk in the jail cell. I mean, he, he was, oh, I guess he was spitting yeah, out great. blood and stuff. Can you tell us, <laughs> <laughs> tell us about that involvement of <laughs> that character? Uh, well, that is uh, one of David's assistants, ah, his past ah. assistants. So when he said, you know, Debbie, I want this character in, in the jail and he's, He's going to be repeating everything, and hmm. he's, he's, you know, I want him to have an oozing sore, and, oh. you know, I'm like, oh, okay. You're a joke, Andy. You're no kind of cop. You're no kind of cop at all. No kind of cop at all. You're a very bad person, Chad. Give good policemen a bad name. The policeman a bad name. You know, so that was one of the characters again that we didn't really know about him until, you know, it was coming upon us. So, um, God bless Richard. And, you know, we, we had his face cast. We had his, we, uh, I sent him to, uh, Vince Van Dyke, got his face cast, got his teeth cast, got, you know, uh, we sculpted the, the, the pieces that we put on him, and, and, you know, that came together really, really quick. So, um, and he was just, the perfect person for that character. And I, I never laughed so hard by <laughs> hearing him repeating everybody's words. And, yeah. and then with NATO, you know, with her, her static talk and then he's repeating it. And I mean, it was, yeah, it That's was, fun. it was awesome. I, mm. loved, I loved it. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely yeah. loved it. And David loved it too. He, he, you know, he would sit behind the camera and just, you could just see his eyes light up. So, and so what, what can you say? Was he part of the script or is he something that was added on? Because Lynch was always kind of adding things to, to the production. Yeah, he was always adding things. And to be quite honest, I don't remember him being in the script, but yeah. that doesn't say that he wasn't there. Um, you know, it's been a couple of years now. So, right. that part of my brain is kind of <laughs> let it go. I don't remember him being in it, so it very well could have been added sure. once we, you know, we started shooting. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And before we go, so was there, uh, what was your favorite uh, part of being part of the t- Twin Peaks, you know, doing the work? Like, did you have a favorite memory or, or just, just being involved with it? I, I think just being there on a daily basis was one of my top life experiences, just mm-hmm. working with David and being so respected for the job that we did. And every day we brought it and every day to see, to be with him and experiencing this whole phenomenon is quite something because I was a fan of the series. I didn't work on it. I didn't know him at that time. So to just go back into that world was amazing. And it was really interesting because everyone there thought that I had been there. Hmm. Everyone thought, Oh, you, you know, you were on the original. I'm like, no, 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 no." so, uh, 
so it was really interesting and and just also in to honor that that time period of of television and you know what he created and that series was just amazing i mean I, i've never seen anything like it and I was able to be a part of it. That's awesome, yeah. And you mentioned the, the, the original series. You actually are friends with the, the previous makeup artist, aren't you? So you were able to be... Yes. You could pick, yes. Yeah, and you, I told her that, you know, I was picking up the baton where she mm-hmm. left it and that I was so grateful for the characters and the choices that she had made and I was just picking up her work and bringing it to the next place yeah, so nice. um yeah and she she's a very special lady she's lovely that's awesome well thank you so much debbie this has been so fun talking with you and i'm really impressed with your work it really shows throughout the series i mean it's, it's really when you think about it, every single shot is is something that you were a part of i mean so cool it's something it's so amazing thank you that really means a lot to me thank you so much thanks for having me i'm sorry punky you can get the beige chair Thank you, Debbie. It was so great having you on the show. I really so insightful. I thought it was a gr- amazing show. It really something else. It really was. Some of the nuggets, yeah, are really fascinating that we and, got out of yeah, that. Yeah, you know, things I don't even think about. Like, I mean, there even, she even talks about how like she uses food as makeup, and I think that's really fascinating. I think I'd heard her talk about this before somewhere else where. Partly, she uses food, especially when it's close to their mouth. You know, if it's close to the mouth and stuff, you don't you don't want them eating <laughs> toxic stuff. <laughs> but I don't know. It's so much. It's so fascinating. It really was something. So it was great having her on the show. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. And if you like this interview, you can give us an email at twinpeaksunwrapped at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought. If you have any thoughts, theories, or any ideas for future guests, maybe we can get them. And you can like us on Facebook. We're kicking butt on Facebook, but everyone's fleeing Facebook. So right now, you can go to Twitter. Go to Twitter <laughs> um, or Reddit. We're hanging out on Reddit too. But Twitter is a lot of fun. How's Twitter going, Ben? It's great. I, I it's really something. I love all the, uh, the the different artwork and the, all the stuff that the community is always putting out. Twenty five yeah. years later, site they every day they're putting out great material. Yeah, it's a great community. It is, and I think I found my I, f- I found myself to be on Twitter a lot more recently. So I've been enjoying Twitter myself. Also, go on iTunes, leave us a five star review, subscribe to us. We're on YouTube. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Hit that little bell button. You'll get a notification every time we drop a new show on YouTube. And we're on Spotify. Subscribe to us on Spotify. That is awesome. I know. So cool. We're on Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, we're everywhere. YouTube. <laughs> everywhere you are, there we are. <laughs> Anything else? I can just say, you know, we're, we're probably a few weeks away from doing another live show. We always, uh, you know, appreciate all the people that have been there for us when we're live. And if you're not live, you're always welcome to send us... Uh, topics or things you'd like to t- us to talk about, we, you know, email us, uh, message us on Twitter or Facebook, and we, you know, maybe we'll talk about it on the next show. Yeah, definitely. We'll see you guys next week. So, I mean, as you, as early as a few years ago, you were saying, you know, you weren't interested in doing another season, but never say never. Mm-hmm. So, what really changed your mind? Um, Mark Frost called me and asked me to go to Musso and Frank restaurant and have lunch. And we started talking and it was, it just happened to be about 25 years later. 
which, as we know, has huge significance for mm. the show. Right. So was that really the guiding principle with which you got reinterested in the material? That was part of it, yeah. And the love of the world and the characters. Which characters stuck with you most in the interim? Was it the same? All of them. Year? They're like family, and the world with them in it was uh, something that, um, you know, I would think about 